Dead Men's Clothes. A short story by Arabella Arnott. A lot of people won't shop in charity shops because of the smell. My mum, for example. Why on earth would you want to volunteer there, Amy? I tell her it's for experience, that it's hard to get a job without experience, and how can you get experience if you can't get a job because you've got no experience? She says, but the smell, Amy. You'll come home smelling of Febreze and old ladies. My mum has a pathological fear of old ladies. It's because she is one. I don't tell her that. But seriously, she's what, 60 now, 62, something like that. She was well old when she had me, like already in her 40s. The other kids used to ask me if she was my nana, so... So yeah, she's old. An old lady. She doesn't smell, though. I think it's a myth, the old lady's smell, I mean. Everyone who works here is old, and honestly, none of them smell. Even Gladys. That's her name. Isn't it just so cute and old-fashioned-y? Gladys. She's 84. She just sort of smells of talc and, like, purcell or something. It's nice. I like it when I'm on with her. She's always singing. She lets me play some of the CDs in the shop and we'll have a right good sing-along. She loves a bit of Dizzy Rascal. <laughs> Honestly, she does. I say, what are you, Gladys? And she says, I'm a rascal, Amy. A Dizzy Rascal. And you should see her dance. Bless her. She's got the moves. Eric makes us turn it down. He's the manager. He's old too. And I'll be honest, he does smell a bit. He has a brown cardigan thing with big leathery buttons, which I think he just nicked off the men's rail one day and never took off. I've never seen him without it anyway. It smells of cigarettes and cooking, and those buttons give me the creeps. I'm not phobic. About buttons, I mean. Some people are, you know. We used to have a big jar of buttons on the counter. Spares. There were some really cool vintage ones. Anyway, we had to move it after this lady came in and started totally freaking out when she came up to pay. Honestly, she was proper hyperventilating, just waving her hand at the button jar. I thought she was going to faint or something. We had to sit her down and make her a cuppa. I thought she was just doing it for attention. She looked the sort. But I googled it and apparently it's a real thing. Coma something or other phobia. Anyway, I'm not phobic. It's just those particular buttons on that greasy old cardigan. The button jar is behind the counter now. You have to ask if you want buttons. Catherine says it's political correctness gone mad. She's another volunteer. I tell her it's just buttons. She says it's buttons today and before you know it, no one's allowed to call a spade a spade. Not sure what she means, really, but she voted Brexit and speaks really slowly and loudly to Wahida, who helps out on a Saturday, so me and Gladys don't really like her. Wahida is training to be a nurse at Northumbria. She's a right laugh. I think she's Gladys's favourite, but I don't mind. Wahida is brilliant when the drunk duo come in. The drunk duo are a couple of women who drink in the pub over the road. I'm a bit scared of them, if I'm honest. They've been known to kick off, like, over nothing. They come in at lunchtime and they're already absolutely hammered, so God knows when they start drinking. 
they sort of stagger around the shop, bumping into people and stuff, and doing this kind of commentary like, "Eh, this would be lovely on your Sue, wouldn't it? Only she's fat now, isn't she? Massive, massively fat. The fat cow. <laughs> Honestly, that kind of thing. And when they laugh, it's like you can hear the phlegm crackling and gurgling. It's minging. And so loud. And they both stink. Like, really stink. Sour. Like, sick. Eric hides out the back when they come in, and I try to hold my breath so I don't smell them. But Wahida is mega patient. They love her. She'll be a great nurse. We do actually get the Febreze out when they've left. <laughs> so, apart from the drunk duo and Eric, the shop doesn't really smell at all. I mean, it doesn't smell like Topshop or Primark or all lush like Hollister. Or, well, lush. <laughs> but, you know, Mum's wrong. It smells okay. And you get the odd tissue in a pocket. Or if you're lucky, sometimes a tenner. But usually people wash stuff before they donate it. I love a fresh bag of donations. It's like my favourite thing. Well, not my favourite thing in the world. That would be sad, wouldn't it? And actually, my favourite thing in the shop is being allowed to put the outfits together for the window. Yeah, that's my favourite, I think. Catherine always wants to do it. She's very controlling. And she always charges loads for Per Una stuff. She's like, ooh... Look at this per una. I love a bit of per una. And she pronounces it all foreign-y, like she's actually French or whatever. It's just Marxies though. Literally just Marks and Spencer. She says, oh, you can feel the British quality in every garment. But I'm pretty sure it's all just made in Pakistan or Bangladesh now. I saw a documentary about the garment workers there and it wasn't good at all. Second hand is fashionable now anyway. All the rage, Gladys says. Love her. Sustainability, that's what it's about. We've had the odd fashion vlogger in, doing their little videos about how they've gone all ethical and have given up fast fashion and that. To be fair, some of the people are really good at putting outfits together and it's nice for the charity to get a mention on Instagram. Gladys loved it when I showed her. I tried to tell my mum about the environmental damage being done by the fast fashion industry, but she just said, you're not David Attenborough, Amy. Which was pretty lame, if you ask me. And anyway, we get loads of really lovely stuff in. There's a lady, and actually I think she might have a problem, but anyway, she brings all this really amazing designer stuff. Honestly, like Prada and Louis Vuitton. Honestly. First time I saw it, I couldn't believe it. I saw her drop a bag off once. She didn't even look rich, really. Just looked the same as us. Gladys thinks she might be a serial shoplifter. But who round here sells Prada? To steal from, I mean. She once brought in this gorgeous Victoria Beckham dress. Oh, I wanted it so much, but it was like a size six or something. Stupid. Dead men's clothes. That's another thing my mum says. Oh, it's all dead men's clothes, Amy. They could have died in them. And maybe some of them are. But not that many, I don't think. And I'm as sure as I can be that no one's died in our clothes. I mean, they wouldn't do that, would they? Take the clothes off a dead body and give them to charity. Surely that's not a thing. Oh, I need to stop thinking about that, actually. I freak myself out.
There was this one time, though, we got this bag of really old stuff, like 50s dresses and a proper nice tuxedo, and shoes, leather dancing shoes, so old they'd gone all hard and you couldn't get them on your feet. I tried, and my feet are tiny, size four. There was this lush little clutch bag all covered in tiny pearl beads, so pretty. The satin inside had sort of rotted a bit, and there was this little silver compact and some rusty old hairpins. I struggled with the compact and Gladys took it from me. Her fingers were a bit gnarly. I think that's the word. Gnarly. Yeah, gnarly and stiff because she's old. She sometimes struggles with buttoning up the blouses and her texts are hilarious. Anyway, she took this little silver thing and pinged it open. Just like that. That's the trick, she said. She hadn't noticed that it had spilled ancient old powder all over a cardi. She got sort of transfixed, like holding her breath. I was like, Gladys, Gladys, because you don't know with old people, do you? Could have been a stroke or something. I was a bit frantic, trying to get Wahida's attention. She'd know what to do. But then Gladys started to breathe again, like a sharp sigh, in and out. And then she said, for one moment, she said she'd seen her reflection. Well, yes, I said, it's a mirror, so. But she took my hand and held it quite hard and just said, for a moment, she said, I saw me as I was, as I used to be. Young again, like you, she said. And I don't know why, but I started to cry then for Gladys, even though she was fine and hadn't had a stroke. And I could just see her and her young man, whoever he might have been, spinning around in these beautiful old clothes, like an old-fashioned film. And I could hear the music, proper, proper dance music, not crappy old shop CDs, not Dizzy, an orchestra or, oh, what's it called? Big band music. Honestly, I could really hear it. And then Gladys was saying my name like I'd said hers. Amy, Amy. And she called Wahida over and they were both just staring at me like, I don't know, I, I was, I was like, fine, I'm fine, really, I'm fine. And I felt like I'd made a fuss, like the button lady. A big drama over nothing. And Gladys said, what are you, Amy? And I said, I'm a rascal, a dizzy rascal, Gladys. And she patted my hand. And then she picked up the tuxedo and held it up against herself and started dancing. And then Wahida picked up one of the dresses all blue net and chiffon and started dancing and then I was dancing too with a salmon pink dress and we were just all together dancing dancing in dead men's clothes those clothes did actually smell a bit of dust of wardrobes of memories of old ladies and old men and they made the shop smell and you know what 
was bloody lush. That was Dead Men's Clothes, written by Arabella Arnott, performed by Jude Nelson, music by Keith Thomas and J.D. Mayer, produced and directed by Matt Jamie. And do subscribe to our podcast, Playstream, from Coracle. You'll find that wherever you find your podcast normally. You know, that's where we keep it. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, other places, you know, have a look. <laughs>